Hello, hello, hello. Today we have a very interesting episode with Ines, who is Portuguese but living in Germany and working in a bank. She owns two properties in Portugal and tells us how she manages those and why she prefers real estate to the stock market. She also explains why Portugal is so attractive for foreign investors and tells us how anyone could get started investing in Portugal. So, very interesting episode. Hope you enjoy and see you on the other side. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage and making the most of your money. This was your host, Alvar, Arminta and Matthias. Hello. This time we are here with Ines. And Ines, actually, in the beginning of our podcast, she wanted to join. But then she recognized that she has not enough time. So we are happy that she at least can join us for one episode after half a year. Yeah, she's from Portugal, works in finance, and we are really interested in talking about finance and about her personal FI journey. So it could be really interesting for you all. Yeah, so Ines, first of all, I would like to ask you, can you tell a little bit about yourself, who you are, maybe age, if you want, where you come from, where you work, what you like? Sure, sure, of course. So my name is Ines, as you've mentioned. I'm from Portugal. I currently live in Germany and I'm 32 years old. I've worked basically all my life in banking, finance related stuff. And this is what I'm currently doing now in Germany. So I got to know the Mr. Money Mustache and others uh, similar blogs like around three years ago. And mm -hmm. this is why I actually have decided to, to start a blog. I mean, the blog is more to make me feel accountable than to actually share everything about my journey. But um, So can we access the blog so everybody in the internet can read it? Yeah, of course. Sure. It's piggybanking.com. Piggybanking.com. Okay. And with me today, there's also Araminta. That's a surprise. Hello. Say hello, hello. Araminta. You're hello. surprised. <laughs> yes, yeah, so let's dive directly into the topic. So, Ines, how is it to work for a big bank? I got used to it. Is it boring? Is it interesting? I think there's a mix of both. I mean, in a way, I'm very... <laughs> uh, it can be a bit boring. I mean, it's a bit bureaucratic. It's an office job. So it's, um, yeah, so it has its uh, good things and bad things. I think it's it starts to get a bit better once you get a bit older, I guess, because you have more flexibility, more responsibilities and so on. So I have to say that when I start, it's more stressful, and but then it gets to be a bit better, even though there's uh, like the fact that you're staying in the office like every day, not everyone is necessarily super interesting. Those are the bad things. But then at, at some point you have access to also lots of interesting information if you're interested in personal finance. So you can always adjust a bit what you do to actually make it interesting for you. So in a way... Yeah, in a way it's interesting, but yeah, the bad things are the typical office complaints, I would I would say. That's interesting because a lot of the people we interview on this podcast are in the finance world. They're either accountants or they work in banking. So it's interesting to see, you know, someone like yourself who works in finance, who's really into the financial independence world. So would you consider yourself part of these, you know, like finance nerds, but who's really conscious about their own personal finance too. Are you very meticulous about your budgets? Are you 
you know, spending consciously, reaching far, obviously, would you consider yourself part of them? I think maybe yes. So um, I'm very conscious and I've always been even before even before getting to know the financial independence movement. And I've always been very conscious about how I spend my money. And it's very funny to see that people who work in finance, banking, sometimes, so they know a lot of things about money, but they actually don't know how to manage their own money. And this is something I've realized since, I, since I've started working. So they have this all the theoretical knowledge and maybe they even know how to manage other people's monies. But when it comes to their own personal finance, they don't know how to do it. <laughs> it's it's very interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. I think that's really funny that people who are working in finance, they know all the theory, but when they turn it into practice, yeah. it doesn't work. Do you know why? I guess, no, I don't have a clear explanation, but I guess it's um, maybe it's a bit of a competitive world. So you get into this, uh, yeah, into this uh, game of who gets like the, who has the best car and who has the best house. So it's, uh, hmm. I think maybe that's that's the reason when we're talking about people who have medium to high salaries and maybe they, it, it just gets into their head and they they just think there's no other option i think they will have to work yeah. all their lives because the minimum they need to retire is three million or more so mm. i also have the impression so i also work in banking sometimes and also in frankfurt as like you and I also have the impression that they really value the right clothing. They have gadgets, some are also cars, wearing a nice suit. Everything costs money and you also need to go to the right restaurants. So it's no wonder that even if you have a medium or great salary, that you're not getting out there and you maybe not get the idea that you could get out there and maybe they don't want yeah, I mean, they, they just don't see an, another option, I think. So we maybe have to put some cards of our podcasts on their desks um, that they can listen and get new ideas. Exactly. Good idea. <laughs> but I, I like it. I have to be honest, I also didn't see options before I started reading about it. I always thought I'm going to work until I'm 65. Okay, I always thought I'm going to find something that fulfills me and uh, that that was always important to me. But I also, until like four or five years ago, never thought it would be possible to be financially independent and possibly retire early. I think it's something that you actually, you are not taught to to think. Yeah. You mentioned that you have access to a lot of interesting information. So first of all, I would like to know what, what are some things you learned in banking that you can use about finance that you can use for your personal finance? Yeah, so you learn, I think it's uh, more simple than, so I think finance is more simple than what it seems. <laughs> People like to complicate it, but I think it's more like to make it a secret than to actually, because it's not that complicated. But I, I think learning how to value a company, for example, is interesting because you can really understand how to value a company, what's a pair. So all this uh, market data information for me, it's natural, right? Even though I don't invest in the market, so, <laughs> so that's actually not very helpful for my strategy. But I mean, all the, the fact that you have to be informed about everything, real estate prices, GDP, you get an idea of what's going to happen in general in the economy. Of course, you know, economists are never right. So, mm. <laughs> so you never know for sure, but at least you can, you can have a long term view more or less about certain issues. Yeah. At least you know about the economic cycles. 
Exactly. And I mean, I know also some people who work in banks, they have uh, like a Bloomberg terminal mm -hmm. for um, a lot of money per month. And some people in banks have also time to use the Bloomberg terminal for themselves. I heard about one case. Um, but anyway, due diligence, market data, um, GP and all this information you can use to get an impression if you should be in the market, if you should maybe decrease your stock portfolio for a couple of years. Yeah, and maybe also if you want to buy real estate, you know in which countries it might be interesting to um, invest right now. Yeah, maybe I don't have much more information than like the public information, but the fact that you have it in a more organized way, it makes it easier mm. to to actually look for that information. Yeah, and you have to you have to read it. You're more likely to read it than somebody who works in a packaging packaging company. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and do you feel that these financial like documents have they helped you with budgeting for example i mean you say you don't invest in the stock market do you invest in something else i invest in real estate ah. so this is my main uh, goal i think it's um i like it personally it, it, it's not really connected to my job but uh, i find it a much more i find it a bit more secure than actually investing in the stock market i feel like the more i read about the stock market the less i know <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really convinced about, uh, uh, not that I'm not convinced, it's I wouldn't feel comfortable living. Really? Yes, for me. It Even be. someone who's working in the bank, who knows way more than me, for example, in the stock market. Actually, yeah, but you never know. That's the thing. Stock markets are so unpredictable. I mean, you know, in the long run, it will probably go up, but... Uh, And then, I mean, real estate is also real estate unpredictable? Can be, real estate can be a bit more risky, it's true, but I think... So I have certain rules. I think you have to have your own strategy. My rules are that I invest in areas, so city centers of relatively big cities, which I think it's, I mean, you, you look at the data and you see that uh, hardly ever the prices go down a lot, at least. Mm. So it's less risky in that sense, at least for me. And um, I think it's always a good investment. It can be better or worse than the stock market i guess it depends but it's so it will never be a bad investment if you invest in a city center of a city i i i believe well maybe now i'm not sure because the prices are <laughs> are completely crazy so i have only two apartments in portugal and basically i'm renting them short term so airbnb and so on I bought them when they were still under construction. So it's, I mean, if I talk about it, it seems like a risky strategy, but I guess if you know the market that you're investing in, it's completely different. Yeah. That's why I also feel very comfortable investing in Portugal because it's, it's really, I mean, I know you guys talk a lot about investing in other countries in Europe in real estate, but I really think if you know someone from the place and if you know the rules, you know, it's it's completely different. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's funny to hear this from your perspective. You're more in favor of real estate and you prefer real estate rather than the stock market. And honestly, that's not what a lot of people say. Most people mm -hmm. prefer yeah, yeah. the stock market because it's it's easier. It's easier. Uh, the typical, you know, my stocks won't call me in the middle of the night because the mm -hmm. light bulb went out, you know. Uh, <laughs> Stock, stocks maybe call you, but if you're a dividend, you have a dividend strategy, they may, might yeah, also not. that's what I meant. Sorry. So it's, it's funny that you more in favor of real estate. Do you feel that it's not worth doing real estate unless you really know the market there? Like, if, for example, you're in Germany right now. Would you consider... 
investing uh, in Frankfurt? I would consider because I feel like I, I, I know the market more or less and I could get to know it even more. But for example, for me, it would be very difficult to invest in uh, France, for example. Mm. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I think you have to feel comfortable at the end with your investments. That's important. And understand them. Right? And understand them because sometimes, you know, okay, this country is a great opportunity. I'm sure there are many countries which maybe are yielding more than Portugal. But if you don't speak the language, if you don't have any local contacts, the rules can be very, very tricky. I think Portugal is a quite difficult country to invest if you're a foreigner. I think things are getting easier now. There are more companies working because there are so many foreigners investing in real estate now. It's becoming easier for foreigners, but still, for example, the risks of investing in a project. So in Germany, it's quite common. People just buy an apartment and it's going to be built in two, three years, right? In Portugal, for example, five years ago, this would be very, very risky. <laughs> And if you don't talk to the people, if you don't see that they are, and if you don't get any uh, maybe recommendations from other people, if you don't know they are going to be there doing it for long term, you never know. I mean, there are many cases where people just, uh, yeah, gave, um, I don't know, 10, 20, 30K to have an apartment built in two, three years, and then they never saw the apartment nor the money. <laughs> so this, <laughs> this would happen a lot before. I think now because things are going so well, this is not happening, but it's it's something, for example, that you have to consider. You don't know how easy it is to this to happen in certain countries. I know in Germany it's difficult, even though I'm not sure if it doesn't happen or not. But uh, yeah, also how negotiable are things or not. For example, now if you look at the prices, real estate prices in Portugal, they are completely crazy. But it's basically because people are just trying, you know, they're just trying to sell the apartments for or houses or whatever, because they know if someone from which is not from Portugal is coming to buy an apartment, they would maybe don't mind to pay like 30 percent more than mm. than what what they normally would. What I heard, a friend of mine is also investing in real estate in Portugal and he had issues to get a loan. For example, he's living in Germany. And they, he could really get a loan really cheap. But if you invest in Portugal, you can't use a German loan to buy real estate in Portugal. So you have to pay from your pocket or just get a local loan, which is yeah more expensive. It's more expensive and it's uh, it takes longer also. That's also another issue. But in my case, so the first time we bought the apartment, we actually were able to buy it um, without a loan. And the second apartment, we had to ask for a loan for like 30% of the apartment. And what we did, we, we actually asked for, for a personal credit in Germany, which not, I thought it was very expensive, but I think German banks are just full of money. So they just, uh, <laughs> they just yeah. lend you, if it's a short term loan, so basically, we're just paying a lot per month, <laughs> but we just prefer to do it like this and just um, get it over with and, and just have a, a relatively low interest rate. But then you also have to pay into account that if you go for a mortgage loan, you have to pay insurance. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to have so many extra costs that the interest rate is not even that relevant <laughs> at the end. You know, that's one yeah. thing people have to consider. Normally you pay like, I don't know, sometimes you pay like 100 euros or more per month just on life insurance, house insurance. I don't know what else they request. So this is also something really important, I think, to consider. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned also that you're living now in Frankfurt. So you 
What my problem is with real estate is that I have to go and visit these real estates. So I, I want to do that and I have no time. As you're living in Frankfurt, then you visit there the real estate or if when you're in Portugal, you visit real estate there. But for example, if you want to invest in Paris or in Hamburg, then it's more difficult to do it maybe in the evening or in the early mornings. So do you invest only where you live or where you... I actually, when I invested in Portugal, I was living in Germany already and i actually invested um before so i bought the apartments before they were built so actually i didn't have the opportunity to visit them because they were not built yet i saw the building and so on but uh, i saw other apartments that the same construction company did but the apartment itself i actually i actually basically bought them without seeing them because they were under construction mm, but this is a risk I'm, i'm willing to take so you're managing two properties in Portugal from Germany. I have a property said, manager. Ah, okay. I was just yes, going to ask. exactly. Otherwise, <laughs> it's impossible, yes. I, well, I'm just curious. You have a property manager, so you've obviously done the numbers. Would you mind telling us, like, what percentage? Are you meeting the 1%, the famous 1% rule? Um, are you making a good profit from, you know, investing in Portugal and with all the property manager expenses and all that? Actually, it's a bit tricky when you do short-term rentals. I think I'm meeting more than the 1% rule in gross terms, but it's because I pay a lot of, I have a lot of expenses. I have like 50% of expenses. Oh, wow. So I pay 30% to the property manager, which is relatively standard in Portugal. You pay 30% and basically they take care of everything. So all the online reservations, they open the door to the guests, they change, like they clean everything. I mean, I don't have to do anything, basically. Just That's if something, crazy. they take care of like anything that happens in the house. So I don't think it's actually very expensive, 30%. So did you just find a really good deal? Is this something that I could find if I went to Portugal? Would I find quite easily, you know, a cheap flat and, you know, Airbnb it and don't have to pay too much for a property manager? Is this something anyone can do? 30%? Or, or, no, no, I mean, like buying property in Portugal and making a you know, a pretty good profit on it. Is that something anyone can do or, or were you just really, thanks to your, you know, banking and, knowledge yeah. and everything, were you able to no, do no, it no. better? Anyone can do. No, I think, oh, cool. I think I was a bit lucky maybe because I invested uh, when the prices were still low. So if you invest now, I think it would be much more difficult to find a deal. But now things are mm. even more professional than before. So now you can even buy an apartment where they guarantee you like a 4%, uh, 5, um, 4% is very low, but normally they guarantee you like a 7% rate, gross, of course. And uh, so there's companies that they are already doing everything. So they are building, they are managing your property, and basically you just get the money every month. Do you trust them? Uh, I didn't do this type. So this didn't exist when I invested, or at least not that I was aware of. But uh, yeah... I think yes, I think it, it should work. Okay. The, the thing is, normally when you have a fixed rate, so also my property managers, they had the two options, but when they guarantee you a fixed rate, normally it's lower than what you get if you have this uh, 30% costs paid. So my, my return is around like 7% net. That's more than the 6% we have here normally. Yeah. But the, as I said, we're also in a, in a big tourism boom in Portugal. So I'm not sure if this is going to be maintained forever. For now, it's great. But in the future, maybe I will rent it like long term or and it will probably yield uh, less. Yeah, but it's still less than the 1% rule, which says 12%. 
per year. That's the 1% rule. Yeah, but 12% gross, right? So without the... Ah. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's 12% net, which is obviously very hard to get. Ah, I so. always thought it was 1%. I'm pretty sure, right, uh, Matthias? It's 1% uh, after taxes. The argument is, you know, real estate is quite a lot of work. Uh, it takes quite a lot of time and effort. So it's not worth doing unless you're making 12%. Mm-hmm. Matthias is telling me he doesn't. <laughs> I think it's gross, but okay, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not sure. We can look it up later on. Because I'm pretty sure, yeah. 100k, if you get 1,000 a month, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's a lot. Well, I mean, in America, it's possible. This 1% rule comes from yeah, the United yeah, States, exactly. where everything mm-hmm. is so much easier there in terms of property. Yeah. So maybe in Europe, 12% is too much, but 7% sounds like pretty good. But 7%, yeah, 7% sounds sounds good. I know that in Germany, they aim for 6% and then they get really lucky that they have 6%. And then after like three years or four years, they recognize, oops, there's something broken. I have to buy something. I have to fix something. And then return is lowering. Lower, yeah. That's also something that hasn't happened yet to me. Ooh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So another question that I have is living in Portugal. It's a territorial country, right? We, We discussed this before getting into the interview. But could you tell us a bit more, what's the situation for expats living in Portugal in terms of tax? Yeah, so it's very, very convenient for expats. So basically, you only pay taxes on the income that you get in Portugal, and you don't pay taxes on the income that you get abroad. That's why many pensioners are coming to Portugal now, because they have their pension abroad. Therefore, they don't pay any taxes in Portugal. And there's also a tax advantage, which is the fact that the income that you get in Portugal, if you're not Portuguese, is actually taxed. If you want, you have to see if it compensates, but normally it does. It can be taxed at 20% rate. So it's a fixed rate, 20%, which is normally lower than than what you would pay if you don't get this benefit. Uh, yeah, so it's very, very attractive for foreigners. But you have to be... Living in Portugal, if I'm not mistaken. I see. So you can't just go to Portugal, establish exactly. a tax residency, and then go traveling around the world. You have to actually live. I think you have to live Shame. There, there goes my plan. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, Matthias, is that something you've ever considered doing? You know, um, going to a different country to not have to pay so much tax? Unconsidered, just that my kids would like to send them to a school here in Germany. <laughs> now I would say let's keep them in Germany, but wait two years. Maybe the answer is different then. You can also do, do homeschooling outside of Germany. In Germany, it's really you have to put them in school. Otherwise, you're breaking law. And what I'm also interested, so tax is really interesting, especially that you don't have to pay tax as a non as a non-Portuguese, but there are also other countries like Estonia for that. Yeah, I'm sure there are many other countries. Yeah. Uh, Estonia is not like that. Estonia is for businesses. Ah, for businesses, okay. But Ah, but, uh, if you mean territorial, Singapore is an example, and there are several others, but Estonia sadly isn't. And one question maybe to go back to our first topic, and what do you think is the economic situation in Europe uh, heading to? So we have like problems in the south, like Italy. Uh, we have Germany, where we still have a very low unemployment rate, at least in the statistics. And what do you think? Where are we in the 
cycle are we heading into a recession then question in the whole europe or just in middle south yeah, what do you think what should we do tricky question um, there are many contradictory signs so in one hand it feels like the gdp is decreasing for most countries but on the other hand there are signs that the salaries are increasing so normally it's a sign that uh, we're not heading into a recession so um, i couldn't tell This is why I'm so reluctant to invest in the stock market, because I really cannot tell what's going to happen. I mean, politically, it's also a bit complicated now. Yeah, with Italy, especially Greece, also some issues. But um, I actually think maybe hope I hope we're still going to continue as it is. But there's way more. Yeah, there's a bit of a clear distinction between the South and and. I think Portugal is a bit of, of an outlier <laughs> currently. Yeah. They get all the tourists from Turkey and the other hotspots. Yeah. And we're doing well in terms of, well, well, relatively well, at least better in terms of public debt. It's decreasing, but still very high. And yeah, the government is actually, is actually, I mean, unemployment is, is decreasing. So we have many positive signs, but there's still like a gap, of course, between the South and the, the, the rest mm. of Europe. And this is more, I think this is more a feeling that the people have than actually, for example, I, I can talk about Portugal, but I think Italy and Greece was exactly the same feeling that they feel they are always being pressured by Europe, by the big countries to follow certain rules. And they have to pay like high interest rates, whereas the the other countries have the benefit, like Germany, to have a very low interest rate, right? And they feel it's unfair. On the other hand, I think, for example, the Germans think the opposite, right? That uh, I hear many people saying that, yeah, we don't have like good investments to like if we put the the money in the bank, we have we get nothing, right? If uh, I mean we're kind of losing money every year. And it's also because they are helping the other countries. So I think we're there's a bit of a political fight here. But hopefully, hopefully in the end, it's it's nothing bad is going to happen. I wish because it would be very unfortunately if we lose everything. I think people are not aware of the benefits of Europe. There are bad things, of course, but uh, there are so many benefits that we don't think about our everyday lives. I don't know, even small things like uh, I have a baby also. But the requirements for toys, they are defined by Europe and they are very, very strict. And the requirements for, I don't know, for any pharmacy products, they are much more stricter than the, the US, for example. And this is something that actually protects you, right? And um, yeah. we tend to forget about these benefits. I think they are much more important. Even I than totally agree. And, and especially when you go out of Europe. Uh, I was living in China for a bit. And what you're saying about babies is totally true. Mm. Mm, expats. You know, families living in China were worried for their children and would much rather raise their children in Europe where you know that you're exactly. safe. And once you leave Europe, you, you appreciate it much more. So that's really interesting. And um, continuing on from that point, there probably is going to be an e economic recession coming soon. I think we can all agree. We don't know mm -hmm. if it's two, four years, maybe even 10 years, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, at some point, so, of course. Knowing what you know as a banker and as a real estate person, manager. What is a way that we can prepare, you think? Do you think we should be, we're better off in real estate and then the stock market? Do you think we should have more cash, more liquid? What would you recommend, you know, to others? 
Or is that a really difficult question? That's a really difficult question for me. <laughs> because I feel okay. like, no, I feel like you can reply whatever you want. It's going to be wrong and right at some point in the yeah. future. Yeah, so right. uh, I think you really just need to feel comfortable with what you're doing. Because at the end, ultimately, mm -hmm. it's about sleeping well at night. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's the same thing as when you're buying or renting your primary, like your house where you, the house where you live, right? So do you feel comfortable buying it and knowing that you're spending all this money for a house to live or you feel more comfortable renting it? So currently I feel very comfortable renting. I would never feel comfortable like spending a lot of money buying a house in Germany because I'm not sure if I'm going to stay here a long time. But But if I don't, if I would feel like this, I would stay in Frankfurt for many years, maybe I would feel more comfortable buying it. So it's it's really about, I think, what makes you feel more comfortable and what you understand, because... I totally agree. And I think whatever makes you sleep better at night is a very good motto to live by. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons I don't stock pick, because I do not do enough research every day to choose a company that I would want to invest in and... If I put all my money into, you know, picking stocks, then I would get stressed and worried and annoyed. So I just do ETFs and I'm very happy with that. Mm -hmm. And you're probably, I think, honestly, real estate would also stress me out a bit, but maybe exactly. I need to educate myself a bit more, right? Matthias needs to learn a bit more about real estate and then he'll... Of course, I have that as a goal for 2019 to... I heard, um, I heard your episode. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> awesome. And I... Did the next steps and I have like a ton of videos I can watch in the train between Frankfurt and Cologne. Yeah, and I also listened to interviews with you. <laughs> and I want to add to the um, uh, what do we do, how to plan for stuff. There are different options like the buy and hold and don't watch into your portfolio or do ETF and don't adjust. But you can also like live in the present And you, at every point of time, you are prepared for like three scenarios, like a recession, like in the next uh, bull market and also the side, if the market goes to the side. So you can, if you like once a week or every month, think about these scenarios, maybe look into some charts, then you could be prepared. For example, in stock market, I reduced my investments like uh, for uh, 50%. It's not just the the biggest part of my portfolio. So there, I am a bit different than other people. I plan to do it, but as long as I have, it's fun for me to invest in companies and also different asset classes. So that's why it's okay. Just now I have a ton of stuff to do at work and side projects. So sometimes I was just feeling maybe I'm not capable of managing it. <laughs> so then I can move the money out of the market. I would like to say you said it's important to have a strategy with real estate. Then you feel comfortable. And I say the same is true for every asset class. And you have to know, do you have value strategies like a trend following strategy or do you invest in big cities or more in rural areas or student apartments so you have to, to have your strategy and the hardest thing is to stick to it yeah the hardest yeah. thing is to stick to it because once you start investing i guess in real estate and whatever 
um, I think you see opportunities everywhere suddenly, <laughs> even yeah. even if it's something that you really don't understand properly and you tend, yeah, there's like this um, thing that pushes you to go to opportunities. But, some, but actually, I think I, I'm going to stick to my strategy if I can. So now I'm going to stop for a bit because I also don't like to get... I also don't like this feeling that I'm in debt, even though it might be much more profitable to actually have debt and and I could even invest in more real estate. But for me, it's also, yeah, again, another way of sleeping better at night. So I don't want to, I prefer to pay my apartments and uh, to feel that basically it's my savings that I'm investing there and, and they are yielding a nice return. Then actually to go into debt, uh, that would make me stressed again. And uh, yeah, that's not the point of, of financial independence also, right? <laughs> exactly. Just out of curiosity, how many, do you have like a rough idea of how many years until you reach FI? So I have, yeah, it's tricky again because I, if I, so I have two options. We're currently deciding on that, me and my husband. If we continue here and we're saving between 50 and 60% of our salaries every month, which is quite good, not amazing, but good. Also, our salaries are, are quite high here. We would be able to reach fine like five or six years, but nice. uh, we really feel more and more like going back to Portugal. This will probably delay the number of years because salaries are much lower there. Maybe you should work remote. <laughs> I know, but uh, it's tricky. I, I don't think I could... It's a difficult decision, but um, mm. it's sometimes it's a life decision. You sometimes life is more important than the money, and then maybe you need a year, more, a year or two more. But you had, have at least better weather and more sun, and you can go surfing. And I mean, Frankfurt is nice, but it's a nice know, working city. But uh, yeah, not, not a living city. Not a living city, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so let's wrap it up. Um, thank you for being here. We have some standard questions. So first of all, where do people find you online? You mentioned your blogs. Mm -hmm. we... Yeah, so mm. I think you're going to write it down on the notes. Of course. But uh, you can contact me on piggybanky.com. Uh, second question. What is one resource not well known that you would recommend to others? It could be a podcast, a blog, a mm. book. Anything. Well, I love the podcast from Paula, Afford Anything. Not sure. Oh, if, yeah. I love her too. Yeah. I, I love her. There's a really good book about real estate, but I don't remember the name right now. <laughs> I would have to look for it, but maybe I can I can tell you afterwards and you can put it on the footnotes yeah, as well. For sure. Will do. Mm -hmm. Is there one actionable tip for someone who just wants to get started towards FI? Uh, what to do, what not to do? Well, budgeting, I think. Uh, mm. Counting your expenses. This is the first thing you have to do. Of course. What gets measured gets managed. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Measure. I think once you understand how much you're spending on certain things, <laughs> once you mm. see it on paper or computer, then you realize, uh, do you value it as much as... Um... And don't use Apple Pay because it's too easy to pay. Yeah. I use Apple Pay and I like it. Yes, but it's easy to pay. That's good. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. It's good. It's all it's in practical. the head anyway. It's practical, but it's true that when it's easier to pay, people tend to spend more. Unless you're very conscious, which I'm sure you are, Araminta, So. Well, I try, but... Yeah, maybe not. It's maybe, like, I sh maybe it's not good. Maybe that's why I'm spending so much this month. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thank you for being here, Ines. I hope maybe we uh, can have a coffee 
a free coffee in uh, Frankfurt and maybe you're also here again in the podcast. And yeah, so let's leave it at that and say goodbye. Thank you very much. Bye. It was very interesting. Very nice to meet you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.